What up, what up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast. A little bit of a bonus edition. Uh, John and I, yesterday, which would have been Saturday night, we were at the New Japan Show, uh, the New Japan Showdown in San Jose at the old Civic Auditorium. And then we watched deep into the night the rest of AEW Full Gear. And this morning, John had just, he just had a premonition about. Mm doing a show because based off of how full gear ended and so here we are sunday night we couldn't do it last night because we we uh we got done watching the AEW show like at two o'clock in the morning so we were done after that but then uh tonight we have some time so we're gonna we're gonna do a little bit of a show uh it'll be a bonus show we'll still be back thursday night so no raw recap tonight or anything uh it'll be mostly uh, mostly pro wrestling stuff we'll hit it we're gonna can hit a few topics hopefully we don't go too long as uh, as our normal shows you know or as long as our normal shows but uh, i know you just got back from a wedding how was the wedding the wedding was fantastic uh my buddy uh david herrera aka tito aquino former professional wrestler here in northern california who i used to manage at one point in time was this when you were uh what, what was your name beautiful john LaRocca or no, something like that no 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 i was just john LaRocca then but oh. um i used to manage um a team called uh, Ego. We are excellence, gorgeous, and outrageous. Uh, AJ Kirsch was excellence. AJ Kirsch, who was the MC of the McFoley show tonight mm-hmm. that I was at, also officiated the wedding today. <laughs> he was in. He was everywhere. He was everywhere. AJ Kirsch is all over the place, man. That dude. That uh, dude is uh, very good at what he does for sure. He was a really good MC tonight. He's a natural, natural born entertainer for sure, and. Uh, yeah, it was it was great. Um, the old San Jose crew they used to call us back in the day. Got together. There's a few missing members like Tom Caster and Derek Sanders, but um, uh, you know, there's old school Oliver John was there. Kafu was there. Old school Oliver John, one of the greatest karaoke singers of all time. Yeah, we were talking about another night. <laughs> and uh, JJ Perez was there, so um, it was uh, you know it's. We, we all don't see each other, of course. We're all busy kids and and whatnot, and moved away different areas. But when we get together, it's just like old times. So it was, awesome. it was a lot of fun. Yeah. So, um, <coughs> excuse me. So the, I guess I guess we should probably start with the AEW show. Um, it it gosh that that show got such interesting feedback. Um, and what's what's most interesting, I think, about the feedback is, I think a lot of people really loved the show and liked the uh, the main event, and some people really loved the show and disliked the main event, which caused them to not like the show as much as they originally thought they liked and 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 that's probably more along the lines where i lean but from what i understand um the feedback has been pretty positive i know on in our group um there it's it's kind of up and down the the match is pretty divisive and uh yeah i mean i I think i think it's uh, it's one of those things where no matter what it got people talking so where, where did you sit on that fence with show in general yeah. Overall, I, I would say overall, I'm, uh, thumbs in the middle for me. Because mm-hmm. I felt it was like a kind of a helter-skelter kind of show. There was some really great stuff, and there was some okay stuff. And then there was like, 
not extremely bad, but it's just uh, scratch my head and and sometimes mind numbing stuff. When and we'll talk about that probably on the main event. But uh, overall, the the I really enjoyed you know the course. What I love about AEW, the whole Cody Rhodes and Chris Jericho stuff that, that was fantastic. The um, the I think the most. Uh, before I even like let's let's break down Moxie and Omega, but what I want to say before that is the thing that I like about this pay per view and what I've liked about the AEW shows so far is they're they're not doing a ton of them, right? They don't have a pay per view every month. It's it's you know every there's that's every three months or every four months or whatever. And when they do do a show, the effort is so high. Like these guys are breaking themselves to give fans what they believe to be their their uh, value out of their dollar because you know WWE's network is $10 and you know you that's essentially what their value is to for a consumer is like okay what is a WWE pay-per-view it's $10 okay so WWE goes if it's $10 then you know we don't have to do all these crazy things that we were doing for 50 bucks because we hook you as long as we give you your ten dollars or your twenty dollars or or whatever every month. You'll keep coming back, and 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 then that's kind of our new game. But AEW can't do that because they are in the fifty dollar pay per view business. So they are desperately trying to make sure that fans leave their shows entertained. And so to that level, for me, I watched that show and I was like, damn, everybody worked hard. Nobody like you know, mailed it in, you know, even, even the matches that I didn't like, you know, I'm not a Joey Janela fan, so I wasn't going to like that though. I, I really like Sean Spears and his new character. Um, you know, I, I just feel like no matter what, because of the, uh, because of the effort, I, 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 I thought that they worked really hard to hook me as a buyer. And I think that's very important in the whole scheme of this wrestling stuff, right? Like we are such hardcore wrestling fans that, in the whole scheme of it all, you know, hate it or love it, we're probably going to watch. But when you think about other customers and and who those people are, hate it or love it, they may not watch. If they love it, then they may come back. If they hate it, they may never come back. And I think that's where the main event of this show gets a little tricky when it comes to the value. I've I'm overlooking my overall thoughts about, you know, whether or not I like that match. I know that Kenny Omega and John Moxley worked their asses off. I just don't know if they were, if the direction was the necessarily the right way to go, but that's not really for me to say. I mean, as a critic, I can say whether I like it or not, not whether or not it was what they should have been doing. But uh, overall, I mean, I cannot hate on these guys for the effort. Like these guys in more, in more than one match, you had guys who were willing to sacrifice their bodies to make sure that the fans got their money's worth. And I think in this day and age, that is necessary because there are so many competitors in the wrestling industry. And uh, if you do not give people value, they're not going to come back. Yeah. I mean, it's been, I expect all the guys and the gals to work hard. I don't, I try to remember if there's even the last show I've seen where guys weren't working hard on TV, either WWE, AEW. Oh, come on. It's in WWE pay-per-views all the time. 
Guys not working hard? These guys get three or four minute matches. They go through the paint by numbers match and it's over. Like you what you just watched that Saudi Arabia show. I didn't watch the Saudi Arabia show, so I mean I missed it, but I I don't think I've ever seen like lack of effort like male. No, no, no. It's it's I mean it's not to the point of where anybody's upset or anybody's unprofessional. It's just they know that they're not in uh, you know, they're not in a uh, a money-making program or they're not in the main event. So, you know, the the one that I always kid about is Randy Orton because he knows when the match is, uh, is a high main event level match where he's got to work harder. And then in some other matches, he can get by and get through that match by just doing his really smart Randy Orton stuff. But he doesn't necessarily have to give, you know, tons and tons of effort to get over because he's already over. So that's that's one sort of idea. But there are tons of other matches where, you know, guys aren't necessarily, and, and some of it is because they're handicapped, but they're not out there to, to hook fans to keep coming back. WWE's a machine. Like, that's not really even their job. But when you look at what AEW is, it's like sort of a grassroots kind of thing where they're like, okay, you know, we have a we have a really uh, you know we have a really great owner, and he's going to give us some leeway, and we are the wrestlers creating the show versus uh, one person and a bunch of writers creating the show for WWE. So the shows are drastically different. Like like you may think you know that some of the similarities may be in like kind of how they do a, a certain big time angle but like I, you know the way that the way that AEW books its shows versus the way WWE books their shows is a lot different and i think that variation is necessary for both companies to kind of be uh on the same you know to 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 be competing against each other but i do see like AEW is like look WWE is the game we have to work our asses off to allow people to uh, uh, for people to allow us to get inside their homes, and I think that is exactly what they have to do. That is also not what necessarily what I think ROH does. Like I don't know if ROH has that same mentality. At least I don't see it necessarily. Um, I don't see Sinclair going like, "Look, we are desperate to have this these kick ass shows because." We need these pay-per-view buys to show the value of, of what we're putting in and to, for our TV people. I don't see ROH doing that, but I definitely saw AEW doing that on that show last night. Whether or not you agreed with or or thought it was a uh, you know high quality you know near especially near the end. Yeah, I just I just I just disagree with the whole WWE part of it. I don't, like paint by the numbers stuff. The, I mean, I I think all those guys and girls work hard, no matter if they're in a feature program or not because i think they're just trying to they're trying to try to stick out and hopefully catch the eye events and hopefully he's you know wants to push him or put him in something like you know you give buddy murphy three minutes he's gonna go all out for three minutes mustafa ali's gonna go all out for three minutes even though they're not like quote unquote push guys well i guess ali's getting a little bit of a push he kind of gets that every few months but um you know i just think uh, i think it's a different style for both has different styles whatever style you like is it's you know it's it's up to you but I just think I just feel bad. I think sometimes I think WWE gets kind of shit on for stuff, and I think the guys work hard. And same thing with Randy Orton. Randy Orton's working hard. He that. does not work hard he every time. Hard. There's no way when you're when you know how to work <coughs> and you're smart, and he's working hard. I love Randy Orton. He's one of my favorite wrestlers. Yeah, he's awesome. But I watch some matches where I go, okay, he understands the game. He's gonna give a a B effort and I'm fine with it because he's so good but he's not trying to kill it for everybody this is not what he's trying to do he's a he's a veteran 
Um, and, you know, we saw that uh, last night with, uh, you know, with Okada. Like, Okada's in this tag team match. It's him and Will Ospreay. He's like, okay, young buck, I'll let you do all the work. And, you know, I'll do some stuff with Coda, and I'll do a few things with Amazing Red. But you didn't see Okada trying to burn the house down last night in no way, shape, or form. Well, there's different things. There's different matches for that. you got to peek to that kind of stuff, too. Don't forget. Okay, but that, but that's my point, which is these AEW guys don't have the option to do an Okada or to do a Randy Orton. They're, they're not made yet. They are the up-and-coming organization, and if in order for them to get noticed, they have to be the antithesis of what people expect. And so whether or not you like what Moxley and Omega did last night, their goal was to <coughs> excuse me, was to get people to go, holy shit, that is something I've never seen before or something I haven't seen at this level. I need to check these guys out. And whether like again, it's not, this is not a taste thing because I that's not my style of match at all. Like I don't I don't really like it, but I get the idea because they need to get the eyeballs of a a maybe a casual fan base that maybe possibly doesn't exist but they need to create you know the opportunity to make new fans whereas WWE WWE is a machine they run through programs like crazy and nobody cares you know the ratings may may show whatever but it's not like tomorrow Randy Orton doesn't need to have a kickass match on television he just signed a 5 year deal he's fine what I'm saying is these guys, they don't look at it that way because they know that, you know, TNT tomorrow could be like, eh, sorry, guys, we're, we're kind of out of this thing and they'd be fucked. Yeah, but, you know, I think those guys, they're working hard now. But, yeah, eventually everyone will find their way and you work smarter right now. Yeah, they're going all out. Every show they go all out. This show they went all out. I felt like I felt like what I saw this on Sunday was the same show I saw on Wednesday and a lot of stuff. I think the fans, too, eventually are going to see all the same stuff, all this stuff, and now they're going to keep topping it. Maybe this is where they top it with all these kind of hardcore kind of stuff matches, which I hope not. Gosh, I hope you don't see this match ever again. Honestly, the main event was it was too much for me. <coughs> but I would never say these guys did not work hard up and down the card, because they did. They def- definitely busted their ass, for sure. Okay, so let's talk about it, because we've been kind of... We've been kind of... Uh you know, beating around the bush, but John, John Moxley, Kenny Omega, they do a near 40-minute match oh, as the main event of this show. Felt like two hours. They do barbed wire bat, barbed wire broom. <laughs> they do glass, whether it was fake or not. Like, I can't believe that was real glass. Um, they do mousetraps on a, uh, on a board. They do a table spot where Omega does a dive out. They do a barbed wire uh, contraption where that I'm not sure that was necessarily real either. But um, and then, you know, they they shot each other through glass, like lots and lots and lots of stuff. Um, And, you know, it's one of those things where if they did like one or two of them, they would have been so impactful but because they did like all six, it was just kind of like grosser and grosser and grosser. And you kind of got numb to some of it. But uh, I, yeah, I mean, it's just it was it's maybe the single most polarizing wrestling match that I can remember 
uh, for the longest time. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely, <clears throat> definitely polarizing. Obviously, way too long, um, way too much. They went way, you know, way past their. Pro- it should have been cut shorter. And like we talked about, I mean, we talked about it on that last night when we watched it. Like, I'm not a fan of the style, the garbage wrestling stuff. I mean. Back back in the day, I want to say like 1997, I was really curious to see stuff from Japan, right? The hardcore stuff, FMW, IWA, Wing, and I watched all that stuff and was curious about it and got into it, but then that quickly, I just started getting out of it and out of it, and I just felt, you know, I just, this wasn't for me, all this craziness, but once I started learning and you know, ring psychology and everything, and then I started like noticing like oh, this was kind of the crappy stuff compared to um, like you know good classic wrestling matches, which is I like. But every once in a while, when there's a grudge, when it when it means something to have a violent match, then I then I enjoy it. But as long as it doesn't go too much, and it's funny this morning I said you know I'm gonna watch. I had it from free time. I was gonna watch. Randy Orton versus Cactus Jack mm-hmm, mm-hmm. from Backlash 2004. Yep, yep. I'm like, because, you know, I was thinking, like, because that match to me is the perfect hardcore match. And I rewatched it, and it still holds up today. It's so good. Both guys are telling a great story. It's each each thing they did from the barbed wire bat Barbie, if you remember that. Exactly. Um, um, to the thumbtacks, to the board of barbed wire. So it's very similar to what, you know, Mox and Omega were doing, but they did it in a shorter time and things flowed into stuff. It or like felt like it organically moved into stuff. Where they were like too busy setting things up and wasting time and and it just was not flowing. They could have cut a lot of things. They didn't need the glass. They didn't need the chain. They didn't need the the mouse trap. You know, they they, they didn't need to go through that glass. Actually, actually, I would I would have done the glass um, stage part than doing this the barbed wire. What was that thing called? Like a a barbed wire <laughs> bed or something like that. Yeah, like a, yeah, yeah. Where the hell is it? it was stupid. Like, because it kind of made sense if, you know, Omega put Moxley through that glass, because if you remember, Moxley put him through the glass table, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, if they could have built it shorter and built to that spot, and that could have been, or at least leading to the finish or somewhat, I think that would have been great. But it's like, like, 40 minutes? 40 minutes? Man, goodness. It should have been, what, 20? 18? 20? Um. Yeah, it just it was just way too long and it dragged. And I felt like, I don't know about you, but I felt the crowd was kind of like they were reacted the when they did something, but in between when they did something, they were kind of just on their hands. It didn't feel like they're really into this grudge. It just felt like they were just watching these guys potentially kill each other. And which I think of the whole issue of the storyline was like it was go it was a pretty weak storyline when it comes to like motivation. From Mox, motivation from Omega. Like I just felt they didn't really hate each other, and it didn't deserve this level, at least at this moment in their program. So I think all that kind of like I was just kind of done with it. And I like both. I mean, I like I like Mox, I like Omega, and I just was thinking like Omega just feels so cold to me right now. Where a few years ago or a year ago, he was like considered one of the best in the world, and I just think like I don't know why, but he just doesn't feel like. Man, they have Kenny Omega on their roster, you know. Like he, 
I mean, he doesn't feel, he doesn't feel like that. He should feel something like he should feel special. I just feel he just feels like a guy right now. Well, I mean, well, he, here's the thing, right? Is you have four guys who are the uh, executive, you know, mm-hmm. executives: Kenny Omega, Cody Rhodes, and the Young Bucks, and. <coughs> It's almost like they are trying to be the opposite of what executives generally are, which is, you know, they're protected and, you know, they win all the matches. Like, it's almost like, and and I don't know if this is actually what they're looking at, but, you know, something like Triple H, right? When we knew Triple H and Stephanie were married, like, Triple H was a protected guy and he would, you know, only, you know, rarely lose and he was, you know, always on top. And it's almost like these guys were like, no. We're going to use our, uh, our our star power here to help get these other guys over, so that when they get over, then you know they'll reach our level, and and you know everyone will be better for it. But what I think they're overestimating is how over they are actually, yeah. because you know Kenny Omega, uh, John Moxley is known way more because of his WWE. Uh, his WWE time, he is known by so many more wrestling fans than Kenny Omega is. That's just sort of how, you know, being on Monday Night Raw and doing 3 million viewers a week works versus wrestling at the Tokyo Dome in front of, you know, New Japan World. And in, so to that extent, like, Kenny Omega should be using John Moxley to get to his level, right? Same with Chris Jericho. Like, it's like Jericho... Uh, you know, Cody Rhodes is is not well as well known as Jericho, even though he's pretty well known because of his WWE ties. But the idea of Cody Rhodes, you know, n- you know, maybe maybe event. I mean, well, what Cody Rhodes is trying to do is trying to make MJF. So I get that part. But um, you know, it's it's like these guys are saying, well, we're the stars, so we're going to help get these guys over. And to me, I'm like, yeah, you're maybe the stars to that eight hundred thousand or people, whoever that watch. But like, you want to get, you want to go bigger than that. Yeah. So you guys need to be bigger stars because you guys have the ability to do so. So that I, I get, like, that's my my problem with that whole mentality. Yeah, they like it's like with all four of them, they decided to put people like let's try to get some new acts over like quickly and and we don't yeah we don't want to be the ones that are just featured because we are, we're also executives but like unfortunately they they have to be like they and i think people will be okay with it cuz they know what they're building and i think they're just kind of overthinking things a little bit too much for sure <laughs> so if they did a regular match to maybe lead up to a lights out match um because of what you said about the storyline i think that would have been so much better and and maybe Maybe we can stomach a lights out match a little bit more if the first match between the two ends up in, you know, in hatred, like you said, because there isn't really a lot of hatred. To, to me, at least from what I remember of the start of this feud, it's because Moxley uses Kenny Omega to introduce himself as an AEW person at Double or Nothing. And then they're supposed to have a match. And then. Moxley has to pull out of the match because he was in Japan kind of being, you know, following Kenny Omega's blueprint and he gets uh, gets uh he gets Mercer or staff and then he has to pull out of the match and to Omega he's like, you know, look at you trying to ride my coattails like you know, and now you're you can't wrestle in the match that, you know, you get paid to, to do and that was kind of the 
beginning of of the story. Now that on its own does not should not lead to a lights out death match like no, they did. And so I wonder what I wonder is is if they had a regular match and it ends in some way that sets up a lights out match, would your feelings have been different on how the lights out match ended? I'm more I want to know I need better motivation than what they're giving me. Just I, don't, I just, I just not, it's not resonating. I don't understand why these guys hate each other, and I think it's also a, mis- a mistake because you're having these two very popular guys go at each other. So the fan base is kind of like, who? Like, I don't know who the heel is. Is Moxley the heel? Omega's not the heel, but Moxley is also like this anti-authority kind of guy. He's like they're, you know, he wants Tony Khan wants him to be his Stone Cold Steve Austin with the uh, fuck yous and the middle fingers all over yeah, the place. Yeah, well, there's a lot of foul language on the show. You know, they're, they're trying to be edgy. I get it. I get it. Um, but I don't know. I, but the, you know, when he came in with all this fanfare, you know, when, they, when he showed up, people going crazy, right? He's this all oh, big star from WWE's now. We got him here in AEW. And he attacks like one of the top baby faces in the company. It's, you know, well, they are short on heels, so maybe that's another issue too. So I don't know. I just, I just didn't feel the match. I didn't feel this. I haven't felt this program. Um, I did see Omega put something out on Twitter. It seemed like it was just not over yet, which is mm-hmm. you know something that I win, and you know even though he, <laughs> I don't know. That just, 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 I just wasn't feeling it. And I'm curious to see how this translates. I, th- I think they'll do a good rating on Wednesday, though. I think people are gonna tune in post-pay-per-view you know they'll get that post-pay-per-view bump for sure so you mentioned the randy orton mcfoley match from 2004 i was at a uh, a mcfoley uh sort of like a stand-up comedy show tonight at the san jose improv uh big dave Meltzer was there uh our buddy from the fight game group uh christopher garcia was there uh, I brought my girlfriend just because I was like, ah, oh, you know, you need to see this guy who has been such a big part of like my wrestling fandom. You know, I really love this guy. And um, <coughs> gosh, I'm so many coughs. <laughs> um, but we we were uh, so we were there, and the the idea of you know Mick, what's your favorite match that you were in came up, and I look at Big Dave and I go Orton, and he looks at me and he goes. Michaels, he, the 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 mind games match from from in your house, and so uh, Mick starts talking. And he's like, you know, you know the one with Randy Orton, and then Dave's like, ah, you got it, and then you know, so he starts talking about that match, and um, and so the his his thought process was the the way that they did that match, Orton became a bigger star out of it but he it sort of needed to be brutal because the 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 storyline was very personal orton spits in his face sends him you know down the down the stairs so foley needed to get really uh like 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 foley needed to create the cactus jack character as like bigger than ever like as this big monster so that when orton finally beat him he didn't just beat old cactus jack he like beat like the best possible cactus jack and so it was interesting hearing him talk about that match because I don't think that Omega and Moxley looked at that match that way. Like, is Moxley going to be a bigger star after this match? I think they thought the match in of itself, because it is so polarizing and because they did so much stuff, you know, it's essentially, it's like game changer 
uh, style match, right? Like, and he and some game changer guys, like our buddy Brady, he would he would probably even say, yeah, it was kind of like a tame game changer match, mm-hmm. but it's like the idea was not to make the guys; it was to get people interested in this blood and guts on a big time major league promotion. And so we'll see if that strategy really works. Um, you know, uh, cause I, I don't, I don't think Moxie is a, is a bigger star than, than he was yesterday. I don't think Omega is a bigger star today than he was yesterday. I think they're both kind of like they're, you know, they're both still top guys, but, um, the, I think they're, they're trying to create this newsworthy thing or this historic, their own sort of hell in the cell Foley and, and Undertaker, right? Like that's kind of maybe what they were trying to do. But the reason why I brought that up is because um, what I wanted to do was I wanted to ask Mick if he saw the match. Because who better (coughs) to talk about that match Mm -hmm. than Mick Foley? Because he's also telling us the story about the match at IWA, the barbed wire match against Terry Funk. And he's like, yeah, you know, I tried to visualize me getting my my neck caught up in between the barbed wire, but then you know the barbed wire gave way, and I was out of the ring, and 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 so, like he did stuff that people would say, like, why the hell are you doing that? But for his for what he was trying to do, he was trying to make himself by using his body in a way that people weren't using their body. You know, you can look at the Hell in the Cell match. You can look at, um, you know, w- when when we were watching uh, WCW back in the day, he, he would call it the Nest T Plunge. And you have Jim Cornette squealing like, Cactus Jack is dead, mm-hmm. you know, doing this crazy stuff. So to his, to what he was trying to do, he was just trying to make himself. Yep. And, and, and at I, IWA, like trying to make a small promotion, um, but I, I, I like so he's got his reasoning, but I wonder what he would have thought of Omega and Moxley based on, you know, the situation and their status and what they were possibly trying to do. I really would have liked to ask him, but I'm pretty sure that he didn't actually watch the match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I mean, that's what Cactus did. You know, a lot of people look at his time when he was coming up and you know he had to stand out somehow he wasn't built like lex luger he wasn't uh as charismatic as hulk hogan so he was uh you know he didn't have a, the greatest body he looked like a homeless man so what he had to do he had to stand out and just take these wild crazy bumps and start filling that hardcore fan base and we win some respect from some it took a long time I remember rick flair didn't respect him at all for doing what he did yep and uh but eventually he you know he he just wants to, every time he got opportunity, he kept hitting home runs, kept hitting home runs, and, and you know, now he's a, a true legend. Um, so, <coughs> um, I'll talk a little bit about, a little bit more about the Mick Foley thing uh, after, at the end of this, but they, uh, he, he also did mention Dave's match, so we both kind of got the, uh, the answer right. So let's talk about uh, Jericho and Cody because that is more of the style of the kind of wrestling that you and I enjoy. But it may also feel a little antiquated for, you know, for some kind of fans because WWE doesn't even really do that kind of match very often either. The slow paced, really, you know, sort of. Uh, storytelling of the you know babyface uh, just gets brutalized by the heel and he's got to quit and he's trying not to quit. Like I can't think of a time when WWE did did a match like that. So it almost felt like this Harry was an pro- oh, 
every Brock Lesnar match. Well, but that but those those matches end so quick, yeah, right? Yeah, like they're yeah. so fast because he is, you know, he's an MMA fighter, so he ends these matches so fast. But like, just it almost felt like a throwback kind of match to you know to wrestling when we were younger. Like that's what I felt when I was watching it. Yeah, it was great. I mean, I really enjoyed it and. You know, I like the pacing of it. It was it wasn't like we see a, a typical quote unquote AEW match or even even like what we saw in San Jose. Just this high athletic, fast pace, you know, no breaks, no 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 it just kept keeps going and going and going and going. It's it's all athletic cool stuff. But I like when a match is doesn't look as crisp. I like a match that has, you know, ships and momentum and I I really enjoyed the hell out of this, and when Cody did the dive over the top rope, and they had the connecting rampway from the stage to the ring, like the old WCW pay-per-view, and he went for the big dive, I don't know what the hell happened, but he just darted himself straight down, and he had his big gash over his eye, and he was bleeding buckets. I believe the story was they were trying to tell he was going to take the bump, do a splash, go splat, take the pancake bump, go down, mm-hmm. and then his, his ribs are going to be hurt. Now it's going to be the focus of the match. This, but in, you know, fortunate juice or something you want to call it, like, it, it was a nasty gash, but, like, it added more drama to the match. And mm-hmm. I know it's 2019, and, you know, people look down on blading. And that Obviously, this was hard way. It wasn't the blade. But, like, to me, I think you should use blood when it when it's needed only. You know, accidental juice is great, but, like, you know, blood does add a lot. But, like, you can't do it. You can do it every show. It's not going to mean anything, right? But if you yep. do it here and there, it, mean, it definitely has a great impact. And this did here. And I, like, was loving Jericho just going right to the cut. That was great. Um, you know, the doctor came out, tried to, you know, tend to him, which I thought was, you know, that was real. But it was also added, like, is it going to stop it? Is, is this, you know, how it's going to be? And like I said, I, I enjoyed the pace. I enjoyed the spot with Cody's mom in the front with Jericho. I thought that was great. Um, I, 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 just, I just love this match. This is the match. This is like like a, this is an old school match, and I love it. Like I said, anything Cody does and Jericho does in AEW is like must watch for me. What do you think about our buddy from the Facebook, uh, the Fight Game Podcast Facebook group, Larry Caution Jr., mm-hmm. who said? <laughs> I, th- I think Cody tried to get blood by doing that dive. No, I don't think he was <laughs> trying to break his neck. Um, I think it was the it was just going to be a splash, but I don't know. He I, did maybe, dive awkwardly. Like yeah, it wasn't. It was weird. Maybe I don't think he went out. Like he was. He didn't dive out. It was almost like he just dove down or something. I don't know. Like at first, I thought he got his foot caught on the top rope. But mm-hmm. we saw the replay. He just went straight down like a dart. Boom! It was so nasty, and I'm surprised he doesn't have a concussion. He might. They might. He might. He might. I, I know. I know. He's he's got messed up ribs for sure. Yeah, yeah. So that and and that played into the story. And and you know Jericho once again focusing on the ribs, punishing in the ribs, like all that stuff. When there's an injury, you focus on it. And we'll talk about another match earlier that there was an issue with an injury. Quote quote. And I thought the guys didn't really capitalize it like they should. They're still doing their big spots and all that stuff. But this match here, 
I mean, Jericho, because he's not, you know, he's 49 years old. He's not, you know, a spry young guy, you know, from his uh, days in uh, early WWE and, and, and WCW. So, like, you know, he works slower pace, and he, you know, which is great. And he works on the ribs, and he's stomping, he's going for the crab multiple times, and which, which led to the finish. And we'll talk about that. Yeah. What did you think about them going to the Cody MJF feud now? And. Based on the stipulation that Cody mentioned on Wednesday, I sort of feel like he that like that was alluding to where they were going, mm-hmm. but I didn't think about it until you know until I saw what happened uh, during the match. But it it seems like it made sense based on that stipulation. I felt <clears throat> something's gonna happen to MJF this match because first when they heard about the three judges, which they, they talked about it, but they didn't focus on it. Then they had three judges, which was on the show was Dean Malenko, Arn Anderson, the great Muta, or Keji Muto. He wasn't in his whole Muto, Muto gear, but um, you know it didn't play into the factor. So I thought maybe they'd go to Broadway. I thought MJF would be like you know everyone had their own judge, right? Like Jericho would have a guy that he's gonna his judge, and then you know and and then Cody would have his, and you know MJF would vote against you know. But it was just a fake out, and obviously, and I thought. The turn, it felt a bit rushed to me, a little bit, because, I mean, it's not rushed if you watched all the shows, right? I'm talking about mm-hmm. if you're watching Being Elite, if you're watching all that, but a lot of people aren't, let's, let's be honest, like, a lot of people aren't watching those shows. Like, I mean, I, I don't have time for Being the Elite, no. as, as much as as much as I, you know, I, I kind of get a kick out of that show, I just don't have time for it. Yeah, so, and then MGF... As a, as a character on AEW television, like, we know he's an asshole, right? But there wasn't really too much focus on him. You know, he was there as Cody's friend. We see him come out. He's even come out to help him go up to the top of the, the building to fight the inner circle. We saw that stuff. But we don't see, like, him being an asshole where we all know he's an asshole, but Cody likes him. Everyone else doesn't like him. You know what I mean? Like there's that there was there there should have been a little bit more of that to like when it something happened. Um when he threw the towel in to cost uh you know to to for Cody because he's locked into that line tamer right in the center. He wasn't getting it going anywhere, his ribs are busted, he's bleeding, and he throws in the towel. A lot of people booed, but in reality, like, you would do that for a friend, right? You wouldn't want your friend to be permanently injured. Even though know what's on, at stake. Like, you still need to protect the fighter. You need to you know, still look out for your friend. So, like, I, to me, he's justified throwing that towel in, right? Now, if Cody was on top, like, okay, remember Bash 88 with Lex Luger mm-hmm. and Ric Flair? He gets the little trickle of blood and then... Which is funny because this is in Baltimore, <laughs> the same pay per view, mm-hmm. where you know back then you know Baltimore didn't allow blood, so they they used it to their advantage in '88. And even though we people laugh at it now because it's a trickle of blood, you, you know Luger didn't get as much blood as they wanted. It still had an impact because they ended up drawing really well in that program that summer. But but Luger was on top. Luger had the torture rack. On Flair, he was about to win the championship. Flair was dead to rights, right in the center of that ring, and then the ref calls it because the, the commission calls it right. But Cody wasn't in a, a dominant position. He wasn't on fire. He wasn't on. And so I think if MJF threw it then, then that would have been more of a, 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 a fuck. But like, 
since he was locked in a Boston Crab, you're kind of like, well, okay, I, can, I understand why he did it. You know, I have, I, I, I can understand why he would protect his friend like this. So, mm-hmm. so I don't know, but then you know, it, and then Cody, the stuff with Cody, the the neat, the the ball shot by MJF was <sighs> maybe came out of nowhere. I, I don't know. People are just waiting for it, anyways. I don't know. I probably would have done it a little differently, but you know they did it, and it was going to happen sooner or later. And and now Cody has something to do because he's not going to be challenging for the title anytime soon. Who who would you put next with Jericho? Well, Moxley won. Pac lost actually, so Pat Page won. You can you can't. I don't think you can go back to Page, but they're also doing a match this this week on Dynamite, like the third, like the like the the rubber match, which I thought was kind of. A little too quick, but I think you can. I th- <sighs> unless I mean, unless they go gimmick match for if they do bring back uh, War Games, yeah, and they do gimmick so they, match, they then then Jericho it. doesn't then Jericho doesn't need no necessarily program. a number one contender. Truly, yeah, because they might do the match <coughs> beyond. When is their next pay per view? Uh, maybe February. I don't think it's been announced yet, and and maybe they'll maybe they'll talk about that on on TV. But I think the uh, idea was uh, what? So it would have been four pay per view. Yeah. So if uh, if Double or Nothing was in May, mm-hmm. and then All Out was in what August? So yeah, August September ish, right? Labor Day. So so uh, so then this was in November. So February sort of fits, you know, that every three month model. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, is that enough time for him not to wrestle and defend his title? Um, it's a long time. I mean, you know, what they they could do another one of those free free uh, sort of Clash of the Champion style Bleacher Report shows too. Yeah, see, I mean, you know, Mega lost. Moxley, well, his <laughs> right, his record didn't didn't count. No, yeah, it didn't matter. Count, right? Didn't so, matter. I guess they could go to add a page on a TV match mm-hmm. if he beats Pac again, or Pac can beat him, and then can do Pac too. But then they're gonna get the heel and heel dynamic. I don't know if they want to go that route. Yeah. Um, okay. I mean, we don't have to go uh, through the rest of these matches in super detail, but um, <coughs> Riho and uh, Sakura was uh, a. L- I know a lot of people love the emotion of this match, and I'm, I, I agree. Like the emotion was great. Like the the story was great. Even though you know we didn't know a lot about Sakura uh, until the very end there, so it could have been uh, it could have meant more with a little bit more build up. Uh, but I, you know, I liked both characters. I think they both are, are are so different, and and they work for what they're trying to do. The audience just eats up Riho like nobody's business. They love her as a match match. Uh, I don't know if I loved it, but I know a lot of people did. I, I thought it was good, but I could also see parts of it where I was like, you know, it seemed like uh, Riho was trying to remember what she was supposed to do rather than naturally do it but you know that's kind of what we're you know what what we're getting here a lot of the time with a lot of the the workers who who don't have a a ton of you know experience working this sort of style so what were your thoughts on this one i thought it was okay i like the finish you know that 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 unique uh sunset flip into that and we're getting into that sunset flip that like going all the way around her and and locking in i thought that was cool but other than that i wasn't really feeling this match 
I didn't think it was as great as Big Dave thought <laughs> it was. Um, I mean, he he loves the emotion of stuff that is so different, right? Like just this. Well, what's so emotional I, about it? The well, <laughs> well, the idea that Sakura's crying in the beginning of the match. <laughs> well, it's 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 a it's a mentor student storyline. For whatever reason, Riho is just over with every audience that she's wrestling in front of so far. And the story that this little small woman kind of wins these matches out of nowhere isn't easy to isn't easy to enjoy pro wrestling trope, right? Like we all love that, you know the un, you know the small underdog. The weird thing is though that being the small underdog, she's the actual champion. So mm-hmm. that's kind of the you know that's the little bit of the uh, of the difference here. But well, I mean, that that's an easy storyline to love, which is the the, the ninety eight. You know, Jr. keeps calling her ninety eight pounds. Mm-hmm. You know, she's ninety eight pounds, and she's beating all of these women. Uh, as the underdog, and, and at some point she's going to lose, and she'll have to chase again. But I think that story is is very easy to to like, especially if you like her as a as a personality. The problem with the match was was mainly Sakura, not in her work or you know, but like the character of Sakura. She comes out as this Freddie Mercury gimmick that no one knows about, right? Maybe some people in the audience do. Like obviously a lot of people don't, because every time she tries to get the Freddie Mercury stuff, the, the people that join in, people are like half, you know, barely the first couple rows maybe, but everyone else is like, okay, what the hell? And she, you know, like this, I mean, the teacher, I think this need to be a little more physical. I, don't, I think she should have came out not with this gimmick. And I'm sorry, I mean, I know AEW is a place for, we want people to be them and everything, but I think at one point it's like, okay, we're trying to tell a teacher versus student here and... We don't need you coming out with a mustache and a microphone. Like we need you to be like the teacher. Like you're the you're the you're the the measuring stick that she needs to go through. And I think that would have been a little bit better match and a little more dramatic. But but you also got to think about where Sakura has to go back to, right? Like this is her biggest profile match, and some of that story is that you know she's been doing this for a long time, and she finally gets this huge profile match. But she's still got to go back to to Japan and be herself. So if you have her change her gimmick, that actually ruins her, you know, her her bookings when she goes back to to she where she usually her, wrestles. Is she one of that company that wrestles in like hallways or whatever they do? Gato. Yeah, Gato Pro. I don't know. I just like like how can you take it seriously when she comes out with the mustache and the microphone? I just. I just don't like as as that that teacher versus. Wait, teacher. but you're talking about the same company that employs Orange Cassidy. <laughs> I know that's stupid too. That's just stupid. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, like she comes out and like I don't know, like I I don't I didn't feel I didn't feel the story as what people were, were the emotion. I didn't get it. As much. yeah, no, no. I mean, I understand that part. But it, the match uh, was fine. It was okay. Triple the triple threat tag, the uh, three way tag with the uh, Lucha Brothers and Private Party and SoCal Uncensored. I I mean I think a lot of people thought that they should have just did a rematch. I understand why you put Private Party in because you you are sort of earmarking them as new and up and coming stars, and this is a match that you can actually kind of hide them in, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can let them do their their great stuff and. Uh, they're a little bit more hidden because in a sing in a in a regular tag match, then they have to do more of the normal selling and the normal style. Uh, but still, I, I almost I kind of wanted to see the you know Lucha Brothers and SoCal Uncensored have a little bit better match than they did in the finals of that tag team tournament. And Private Party was fine. I don't I don't I didn't hate them in the match, but I just thought you know it would have been a little bit better uh, a straight tag. 
Yeah, they're there to lose. I, I really didn't have any problem with this match. I mean, when it's a three-way, this is when you can go balls out and do a bunch of crazy moves. The only thing, I think that crowd, at least from what I can sense, was like, they're kind of burnt because they've seen all these moves already, right? Throughout the whole show. So, so uh, Mike Sempervivi was at the show, mm-hmm. who who does Wrestling Observer Live with Brian, and he said the crowd was hot all night, and that definitely did not come no. through on the telecast. No, no, that didn't. And <laughs> I just think that it seemed like the crowd was kind of like, kind of already tired because they already saw a bunch of moves, you know, the lot in the previous previous matches. So it was fine. Like I said, I I had no problem there. Probably probably was there to to lose. They don't want to beat the Lucha Brothers again and and continue with that program and and with with SCU. But then again. SCU is wrestling Cody and Sammy Guevara the next show, so I don't know. Maybe maybe Daniels is wrestling one of the Lucha Brothers on AEW Dynamite this Wednesday. If yeah, he, and Chris, if he's and, return. And Christopher Daniels came out at the end of the match dressed up as uh, Pentagon, uh, and and you know did his thing, and and so he's back. And Pentagon gets confused when he sees other people dressed as Pentagon. <laughs> right? He's like he's it's it's like the two doinks. Yeah, I guess I guess that's what happened. He got doinked. <laughs> so uh sean spears against joy janela i think the the main storyline here is that spears won uh tully gave uh janela the spike pile driver and then spears had to roll him in and do his move but they are leaning they are leading towards a kip sabian and joy janela feud with penelope ford involved it's kind of like a you know it's kind of there's a reality to it because joy janela and penelope ford used to date and now she's dating kip sabian so there's a little bit to that uh, I, I am, you know, I'm sure it'll be good for, for what it is, but I, I am interested to see what they do with Spears because he is this like sort of anti-garbage wrestler guy and he's got the great manager in his corner. They don't do enough with him, but I don't know how you can bring him into the top mix because I don't know if people see him at that level, but I want to see more. I want to see more Spears. I want to see more Tully. Well, if he's anti Garbage. You can go out there on AEW TV on 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 Wednesday and talk about what a trap, what a you know shit show or that was to the main event, and you know black eye on our business and blah blah blah, right? And this could lead to something with Moxley and Spears and Tony Blanchard can get some promo time finally, and they could have a little program, I guess, you know. And then they can maybe lead to you know another hardcore match, unfortunately, you know. But uh, yeah, this match was. It was whatever. Uh, uh, Janela's really bad. He's not. He's not that good. People, I'm sorry. <laughs> you can't convince me he's good. Our buddy Nick Mahmoud swears to me that in a regular match, without any stipulations, well, without any and he's not that any good. plunder. Uh, Big Dave also said that you know when he was in P- PWG, he always had good matches. So I don't know. I haven't seen it yet either. So I, it's he, not. He says he works hard. I know he works hard, but it doesn't mean he's good. You know, there's people that work hard all the time, but not really that good. At their job. They're just really yeah. put effort. Um, I it, the spike pile driver finish wasn't even the finish because they did the spike pile driver. And instead of rolling him in and pinning him like a heel should, because he just took a spike fucking pile driver on the floor, mind you, he picks him up and does his death by driver. Now, I'm sure they're going to say, well, he's a heel and he's just putting more pain even though he has this match won. But no, he didn't execute it correctly enough. You do the spike pile driver, bam, you roll the guy in the ring, one, two, you pick the guy up and he's dead. 
You pick him up, you look at the camera, you walk around the ring with him on your shoulders, you look at the hard cram, and then you plan him, pin, if you want to do the Death Valley Driver, but you didn't need to do the Death Valley Driver. Mm-hmm. The spike pile driver on the floor is big enough. Yep. Uh, Adam Page and pa- uh, well, Pac. Before wait, we go into that, on. let's talk about the Kip Saban promo right, right after, right? They introduced Kip Saban as this, now he's... You know, cocky little heel, and now he's being managed by Penelope Ford, which was I thought this promo was 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 overall pretty good, but what really pissed me off is they cut back to Joey Janela walking to the on the rampway. <laughs> he just took like he had all like before we went to the to the promo, we had referees run out there, Jungle Boy ran out there check on his friend Joey Janela, right. And then we come back. He's 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 fine. He's walking. You see what 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 they don't understand though is when you give the guy the spike pile driver. If they just gave him the spike pile driver, you would have to bring out the stretcher for him, right? But then they did the DVD, which kind of woke him up a little bit, so that he could he could walk. Yeah. Yeah. If if they just let him lay, stretcher would have came out. Spike pile driver. Spike pile drivers have laid out the best of them, but the DVD just woke him up. So apparently, the uh, the DVD actually is a a a chiropractic move that's unused that someone should look into. (laughs) It fixes spines, apparently. Uh, Adam Page Pack, I love Pack so much, and what's interesting is. Uh, our buddy, uh, uh, our brother, doing. He's just like, you know what? I'm not feeling Pack at all in AEW, and I was so surprised. I was like, wow, I really love Pack. He's like my favorite guy in AEW right now. But um, you know, they're they're you know they're in the third match, uh, actually the second match, and uh, you know got uh, they got they got 18 minutes or so. So you know they got it. They got a good amount of time. I thought the match was good. But like you said, you know, there's not there's it looks like they're going to have a third match. So maybe that third match is for the number one contender spot. Uh, and uh, but, you know, I, I, I like the match. I didn't say I wouldn't say that I love the match, but I just love Pac. He's just freaking he's like Dynamite Kid reincarnated to me. Yeah, this match was good. Yeah, I thought it was really good. It was my second favorite match in the show. Uh, right, right, right behind Cody and Jericho. Uh, yeah, I have no, no issues with it. Um, they probably. They did a little bit too much. Like I think the brain buster to the chair on the outside is a little too much. I don't think this match really needed that. But other than that, I thought this match was left. Yeah, Pac has been really looking really good, and Paige has been looking really good. And so I, I, yeah, I was, I was I was really happy to finally get a, a good quality wrestling match after the first two. <clears throat> and I saved this match. Uh, at, for last, we're, we're not going to talk. We're not. We're not. We're not going to talk about Brit and B because I, I didn't watch it. Oh. But um, I didn't watch it either. <laughs> Santana and Ortiz against the Young Bucks. I thought this match was a lot of fun. I thought it was totally fine. But you were nitpicking the hell out of the psychology mm-hmm. and everything as we were watching, and I was like, okay, well, where's the tweets? And you're like, nope, I'm not tweeting. I'm saving it for the podcast. <laughs> oh man. You know, this match was going great. I mean, not great. It was going good. Like, I liked the pace. It was slower. Things are going good. And then, like, right after the the Nick kicked the brink post, I'm like, okay, they're gonna work on the they're gonna work on the shin. It's gonna be it's gonna be good good stuff. And they started doing all their moves and stuff. I mean, I know <laughs> Nick was still regist- <laughs> registering some of it, and but that point when he went up for the Meltzer driver and slipped and crashed, I thought, oh, man, it's going to lead right to the finish. This is good. 
But no, like, Matt goes to pick his brother up, not to protect him and save him and get him out of the ring and make sure, get him out of the ring because he's going to be a liability at this point for this match. No, he puts him on the top rope, even though he's he's in pain. I just thought the I just thought this match kind of fell apart, um, and a lot of people are going to overrate the hell out of this match, but it wasn't that it, it ended up not being that good. I, I bet you it gets at least four and a quarter stars. Oh, in the observer. I know Dave's going to overrate the fuck out of it, but like there's there's a literally there's a moment in the match when one of the when Santana or takes his own partner or teased. Rolls him, does a back roll of some sort, and Nick Jackson is there standing there like a dumbass, and he, Ortiz pops up and gives him like a cutter, or maybe Santana get the cutter, whatever. It, I'm just like, oh my god, this is so stupid. And I hear, I hear Dave, that was so creative. I'm like, that was so <laughs> shitty. That's what it was. <laughs> Anyways, and then like, I think they, they're trying to tell a story, but they didn't really, they didn't really tell the story they really wanted to tell. Like, like it should have been where you know Nick gets hurt. Nick makes the hot tag. Matt gets in there. Now we have another heat on Matt. And now Matt has to keep fighting because Nick, he doesn't want to tag Nick in. Nick is, can barely stand. But Nick wants to tag in because his brother's getting the shit kicked out of him. But finally, you know, he. But finally Nick somehow, somehow he tags in, goes, he has a little, a little adrenaline, a little fire. But then, you know, eventually the lead gives out. And then he gets pinned. They should watch fucking the Road Warriors versus the Midnight Express from October 29, nineteen eighty eight, because that's basically the same thing. That that's the same kind of match, you know. That mm-hmm. you know Bobby Eaton gets attacked. He's bloody. He's beating the shit out of. So Stan Lane has to go at it on his own. Jim Cornette's trying to give get Bobby Eaton some help because he can't continue. But Bobby Eaton's like, "Fuck it, I gotta be out there for my partner." And he just, he pushes Cornette. He's stumbling back to the ring. He finally gets in. Road Warriors close like Stan. Stan bumps to the corner. Uh, 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 um, Bobby tags in with Stan, and he goes in, does a little couple things, and bam, gets clothesline and pin. Like that's the kind of story they were trying to tell. They should have told at least. And then, because the Rock and Roll Express was out there, right? <laughs> and so <laughs> the heels win. Now their heat is fucking gone because the Rock and Roll Express is going to... They go in there and do this Canadian story to Santana. And everyone <laughs> celebrates, oh, hunky-dory. But, like, the heels, whatever heat they got, just left. It just disappeared. Because okay. you had to fuck around with this bullshit. But don't you think Santana and Ortiz beat the shit out of the Rock and Roll Express? They fucking better. Because <laughs> they got they got bitched out. Honestly, I don't, I don't see them as a tough team. I don't see them as these strut tough. They don't work that way because they want to do their fancy moves. Just just like the young pride players. and powerful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they're 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 not powerful, right? They you know they need to be vicious. Uh, Ortiz is acts too comedy. He wants to be a, a mad dog crazy guy. Watch Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer tapes, bro. That's what I would say. Hey, this is your fucking homework. Watch only, but only, only watch the tapes. Do not model the same lifestyle. Of course, yeah. We don't want that. But like, <laughs> like he in the middle of the match, he does this back rake and goes high like a cat. Now, this, he did this on TV the other day, and a couple hundred people laughed at it. So now he thinks it's some kind of great over spot. And guess what happens this show? About 100 people in the audience laughed about it. So it's like, dude, cut the comedy, be vicious, be Jericho's wild dogs. That's that's your role as his team. I will say, I like this match a lot better than you. Even though I do agree with a lot of the things that you said, 
But that is just the way that most Young Bucks matches go, where they will sell, but they are selling until they get to the next spot, and then they do the next spot, and then they'll sell again. And then they do the next spot, and then they'll sell again. That's just kind of the style of their matches. I mean, it wasn't... Like, everything was going good. I was enjoying it. Like, I thought that was one of the better matches until it just kind of, like, all kind of kind of wacky. Like, they couldn't help themselves, you know, to tell, like, a, like a, like a, like a really good story and get some sympathy when, with, with Nick Hurt so he can come back and do his match again. But no, we, and and then Santana has, they, and Ortiz has no heat leaving because they had to take that stupid Canadian story from the Rockers that's for a, a cheap pop. And then, ah, so frustrating. But didn't you think it was hilarious no. when they opened up the top and middle rope so that Ricky could dive through to do his suicide dive out to the floor? No, out to I, the t- I didn't think it was hilarious. I was, I was, <laughs> that was funny. That was the funniest thing I saw I'm all night. Glad they're trying to you know help the poor guy for not breaking his uh, neck. Hell yes, but still, that was that that cracked that popped me. It was <laughs> it was it was twofold though. It was not only because. They wanted to protect which, him. It was because he's a, he's a little hefty these days, so which, he may not have fit. What should have happened is Nick goes for the Melter driver. He goes crashes down. The the Santana Ortiz double team mad. They put him in that drive by where the hell they call it finisher one two three. Now they start beating the shit out of the Young Bucks. Out comes the Rock and Roll Express. They start firing some right hands. They hit their big double drop kick on one guy, right? They look, oh yeah, people, yeah, double drop kick, yay! But then they get beat up, and then they get laid out. And then, you know, Santana Ortiz, with their heat, they're laying over the Rock and Roll Express and the Young Bucks. Now they look like these guys are bad motherfuckers. And now you can come back and do the match on AEW Dynamite in a week or two, or, or the next show, and then have them beat the shit out of Rock and Roll Express. But how do the Rock and Roll Express get more paydays on your on, on your booking right there? They want more than one. They're a short term gimmick, man. <laughs> they're not they're not the Rock and Roll Express of nineteen eighty you know eighty four. I'm sorry, I love them. One of my favorite tag teams to watch. I, I love watching their old matches to this day. But you know you can only do that match once with them. You know you can maybe do a, 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 a generational match with like the Young Bucks and the and, and, and the Rock and Roll Express maybe down the line too. But nah, it, it, you just sorry, you know. All right, if you uh, if you are upset at at that uh, at that commentary, you can send all of the heat to uh, Laraka JL on oh, Twitter. Jesus. <laughs> Uh, okay, don't so get upset that I'm right. That's not let, let's talk about that. What a heel! That's a heel. That's <laughs> the most heelish comment I've ever it's, heard. It's in my not life. heel, but it's reality. <laughs> Another heel comment. <laughs> All right, NJPW Showdown. Uh, there are NJ Showdown is what the New Japan uh, hashtag was. San Jose Civic Auditorium, bunch of tag team matches, some singles matches, but we got to see. What essentially was a New Japan house show, though they did put it on uh, on New Japan World. Kevin Kelly, Tiger Tori, and Rocky Romero did the commentary. Overall, fun night of wrestling. Um, we we had talked about some of our frustration our frustrations with the uh, with the 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 match lineup on, on the last show, especially with Jushin Thunder Liger's uh, last U.S. match, and they put him in a tag team match. But uh, overall, I mean, fun night at, at, at the Civic, and you know, I think I, I I'm going to go out on a limb here and say 
you had more people come up to you than Big Dave Meltzer had come up to him at the Civic Auditorium. No, we had a lot of... Yeah, I'm sure Dave had a line of people wanting to meet him. Uh, yeah, it was cool to see a lot of people. I, it was uh, really great to see my friend Jeremy Baderas, who, uh, uh, you know, I, I met him at APW, and we did play-by-play play together, and, you know, he's at my wedding, and, you know, life goes, and, you know, I know he had some hard times, and uh, we, you know, we haven't seen each other in a long time, so... It was really emotional for me to see him, and you know, it, we, we actually texted each other today, which is, was was really cool. And and uh, trying to trying to do my best to keep in touch with uh, with him, and uh, it was really cool to see him. But I I had a lot of fun at this show, and I wasn't feeling it like like this week because I was just so bummed out that you know, Jason Jason Thunder Liger's last U.S. match was going to be a tag match, basically a tag a comedy tag match with. Yano and Cole Cabana, who I both like. It's just I just I wanted and you know I wanted Liger to have some uh, at least a good singles match, you know, mm-hmm. and nice little. You know, he doesn't have to win it. He could just little. I don't know. It's just a whole lot of. It was just a match, and it just really really bummed me out. But being there, I love the, the that building looks so great for pro wrestling, man. The lighting was perfect. I hope they come back to the arena again. I, I just thought it was a perfect place. For wrestling, and it was a it was a fun fun show. You know, nothing bad. It was everything was really really well. I I, I loved um, Fat Tasmo and 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 show, and I loved uh, Archer and Finley, and and the main event was a lot of fun. So yeah, I had a great time. Um, that building is where I saw my first ever live pro wrestling card. You know, I I, I should probably look this up. Um. And, and maybe was I, that Beefcake versus Perfect main event show, like in 1990. Was that it, or did you go to? No, it was 88. Oh, okay. Um. Uh. So, I, I want to say Hard Foundation versus Demolition. <laughs> no, Hacksaw was Hacksaw Jim Duggan was in the main event. Um. And I think I want to say it was. Ugh. But was it was it may have been DiBiase? I'll I'll find it. I'm I'm sure it's on. You know what what's that what's that uh, cage cage yeah, cage match yeah. or whatever? Uh, they have the historical cards. Um, so I'll, I'll figure I'll figure out what the main event was. But that was the first show that I'd ever seen at the Civic Auditorium. And so you know when you when you go to your first wrestling show ever at the Civic, it's it's kind of a it's kind of a you know it's a very it's obviously it's very memorable but you uh, you have you just like start thinking about it when you're a kid and I was what maybe twelve mm-hmm. so seeing wrestling as a twelve year old and then going back as a uh, as an adult was was pretty cool I, I've also seen basketball in that building and I'll tell you when it was um, I think it was two thousand and seven maybe. So uh, there was a basketball league called they, – they were trying to call themselves the ABA. Not the same ABA, obviously. But uh, San Jose had a team. And the great Tim Hardaway, my favorite player of all time, retired from the NBA, was giving it a shot with this San Jose – with this ABA league. And the San Jose team was hosting – I forget what team he was playing for – so I took my kids uh, to to see this, you know, minor league basketball 
uh, minor league basketball league. That's the last time I was in that building. So, gosh, that was over 10 years ago. It's been since I was actually in in the Civic um, to watch an event. I think I took my kid there for like some <laughs> video game conference or something before. But actually to, to watch an event, I think that was the last time I was there. Yeah, the last time I was there, actually for the... Uh... Impractical Jokers did. <laughs> oh no no! no. I was there. Too. I was at that show too. Yeah. So yeah, that's the last time I was there. We had second row. I took Katrina. It was uh, she's you know she loves those guys and I like them too. This is a funny show, and we had a good time. And before that was a Strike Force show, which was uh, Sarah Kaufman versus this Japanese girl. I forget her name, but the show was you know Luke Rockhold was a featured young gun coming up and he won won a fight. Um, yeah, that was a that was a little fun little show, you know. Strike it's a, it's a it's a great building. It's a it's like it's a nice old building, and it's, it'll be it'll be sad for me if that ever closes down because, it, like I said, it's per, it was perfect for pro wrestling. And I was watching some of the big screen stuff they had for New Japan World. And they made that place look huge, man. They did a great job. The lighting is great. And what New Japan shows a lot of people don't I, I get from New Japan shows like they do a really good job with their sound quality. Right, the music mm-hmm. sounds great. The entrances sound great. Um, yeah, I, I, like I said, it was a, it was a lot of fun, and and um, it was a fun show to check out. I definitely would check out Fat El Fantasmo and uh, show. I would definitely check out Finley and Archer. That was a lot of fun. And the main event was a a nice some nice tease for the Tokyo Dome with Okada and Inibushi. What do you think about um, Okada's promo at the end, where he tries to speak English? He knows that he's not doing a great job, but the idea is uh, two Tokyo Domes. He's going to go in, he's going to face Ibushi, and then he's going to fight you know, whoever's the winner between Naito and Jay White. And then he says, instead of saying, like, and you know, I'm going to become the undisputed champion, he goes, and then I'm going to win the Intercontinental title belt. And who cares about that belt? I'm still going to be the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Yeah, I didn't understand that the whole focus was someone's going to walk out a double champion, but he seemed like not to give a shit about the. I, that was so weird. Yeah, which 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 was kind of a. I thought he said San Jose, did you fuck tonight? But he said he said, <laughs> did, you, he, he said did you have fun tonight? But his English was the best. Uh, he has a, such a superstar aura, though. Oh yeah, he comes oh, yeah. out. He he's he's a modern day great you know modern great like you know and like unfortunately for me i never saw rick flair in his prime you know i saw him later on still was good but i didn't see like you know 86 rick flair you know and oh yeah so this is like to me and tanahashi too like the closest way to like you know to see like these guys that they're that they're very best even tanahashi even though he's not tanahashi from you know five years ago he's still freaking great he was on the show unfortunately but but Okada comes out and he has just he commands the he's a true superstar. Same with Osprey too. Like I have my critiques of Osprey. I thought he was goofing off a little bit too much. He, I like I understand it's like to him it's like a house show, but it's all New Japan World. I think when the cameras are rolling, you gotta take this a little bit seriously. But um, but no, but like, but he's really good. Osprey's really good at communicating with that audience with his body language, with his with his face like he's interactive like mm-hmm. a true superstar will look into a crowd and act he almost like he feels like he's talking to you but he's really talking to the whole building you know uh-huh. and like it just kind of like resonates throughout the whole audience he has that presence about him and and um wrestling just comes this stuff comes way too easy for that guy he's such a freak athlete 
And uh, like when he gets going, he, he's something to see live. If you haven't seen Will Osprey live, you definitely need a guy to get to see because he, he is pretty amazing. And um, I thought the match main event was a lot of fun as as, as advertised. It wasn't the barn burner I was expecting, but um, I and, and Ibushi too, man. That guy was he is a he's a fun guy to watch too. I mean, he was just just I mean, he's like everything hits perfectly. You know, I, I yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Still cannot find this match or this card. If I am able to find it uh, before we uh, we get out of here, then I, I will definitely try to do so. Um, okay, so let's talk a little bit about um, uh, the KSI Logan Paul fight. And the only reason I'm bringing this up is because I think it's pretty interesting um, when it comes to the idea of we talked a little bit about this last show, but the DAZN strategy, right? So DAZN is a subscription service, and they're trying to get subscribers. That's kind of how this thing works. And doing so with um, uh, waiting for Canelo to uh, to uh, <laughs> to get, you know, w- w- waiting for the Canelo fight to start because you're waiting for the UFC buys to. To you know the UFC show to finish so that you can get those crossover buys, and then in this instance you have two YouTubers who did a pay per view, a ten dollar pay per view, I think it was last year, which did a, a gigantic number of buys for for what the expectation was, and Eddie Hearn was like, okay, let's get them on to zone, and they didn't sell out the Staples Center, but they still put over twelve thousand people in the Staples Center. They were the main event. The undercard starred Devin Haney, who's an up and comer who, you know, is, is in is in the same sort of uh weight class as <clears throat> as uh, Lomachenko. And uh and then they had Billy Joe Saunders who was defending his title. So there were legitimate guys on that show, but the main event is Logan Paul and KSI. They sold out the uh they didn't sold out, but they, they sold the tickets for, for the Staples Center. And I thought it was an interesting idea. Now, I had some intrigue because I was just sort of wanted to watch the spectacle of it all. KSI beat Logan Paul uh, by a split decision. And the funny thing is that Logan Paul got deducted points. And if you look at it that way, that's the reason why he lost. But uh, it was I, 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 I believe that Logan Paul won the fight. And I think the referee was a little too... Uh, strict with what was going on because they were fouling each other like like KSI's whole strategy was to jab jab and then try and throw like this windmill right hand and Logan Paul could see it coming from you know from from yesterday so he was mo he I don't think he I don't know if he ever got hit with it but he was out of the way and and so but the way KSI threw this right hand is he would like throw it and he'd be so out of position like they would almost have conked conked heads because he was so reckless in throwing this punch and then the referee uh you know flags logan paul for kind of grabbing the head and and throwing an uppercut which he did but it's like are you gonna let these guys like just be reckless or are you gonna call this scientifically because if you are then Every opportunity these guys throw a punch, they could be fouling each other. So I thought it was kind of goofy, but KSI won the fight. We were watching the... I I was kind of keeping an eye on it while we were watching the New Japan show. Um, And just from... I like... I I hope DAZN gets subscribers for this because it is a daring thing for them to do. 
you have uh, boxing is one of the oldest uh, one of the oldest fan bases going in sports, and so you're kind of going against the grain with this old audience of of fight fans, and a streaming service is kind of a younger watch you know younger person's idea and then you on top of it you throw this logan paul and ksi and these youtube guys and i just thought the idea was very smart i don't know if it's going to work but you have to try stuff like this when you are a fledging you know subscription service and you're trying to break into this you know you, you know a new model of tv and i think they just need to try tons of different stuff like this well, they got a lot of searches, right, on Google. So a lot of people check this out. I'm, I'm really curious. I mean, we're not, the zone doesn't really release buy rates, right? Do they ever? I mean, numbers? No, I think they're just. I think their goal is like a million subscribers, and so I don't know if they hit that or if they're close or or what. But I think like they were looking at that as like a, a really big milestone for them. Yeah, yeah, because I I think they they beat out you know AEW, they beat out uh, and UFC too in Moscow, and that wasn't a big show, but you know. They were tr- trending on Google. They, you know, they trended on Google, and but AEW didn't crack the Google top twenty. I believe, if I read that correctly today, right? I don't think so. Yeah. So I wonder how that's going to tr- correlate to buys. What, what? What? We were talking about this right after the show, after the New Japan show. We we're talking about the buys. What? What's your number for? Uh, I'm gonna say 115,000 for AEW pay per view. I think that's pretty smart, um, but I think that would also be a bit of a disappointment because. They did 111 without TV, so if they only did 115, um, I think that'd be a bit of a disappointment. I will say, I will say 130, which I think is still kind of a disappointment. Yeah, I mean, I'm just kind of playing it safe. I, it'd be cool. I hope they do great. You know, I hope they because I want to send. I want to see the AEW keep going. I know I I can bag on them sometimes, but I do like it, and I want them to keep putting on some good stuff. I'm trying to find your results, man. I found it. I found it. You did. What's what, what month? August 10th, 1988. August 10th. Dude, I was almost there in July. Okay. The attendance was 1,500, according to Cage Match, the Internet Wrestling Database. The opener, Coco Samoa versus Bob Brown. Bulldog Bob Brown? Um, Paul Brown, maybe? Also known as Bill Brown, Bobo Brown, Bulldog Brown, Bill Green, and Butch Kelly from Shoal Lake, Manitoba, Canada. Oh, Bulldog Bob Brown? Was it? Died died in uh, 1997. Wow, Bulldog Bob Brown. Interesting. And Coco Samoa. Now, which Coco? There's about a couple of Coco Samoas. This is the one from uh, Memphis? So, now, this is obviously Cage Match, so I'm using them as the resource here. Mm-hmm. Coco Samoa, Alter Ego, Jack Snooker, mm-hmm. Tammy Samoa, Sabu. Okay, from Memphis. Okay, now I know who this one is. Yeah, Sabu the Wild Man and Tama Samoa. Yeah, he's he, he was a pretty decent worker. Very like short, stocky, um, uh, uh, really a lot of like, cool impacts. I like, I like he was pretty good. He, he I remember him working uh, as Sabu in Memphis with Lawler. I've never seen that match. And the second match was a singles match between Paul Roma and Dangerous Danny Davis. Ooh, Danny Davis. <laughs> I don't like Danny Davis, man. I never did. 
Third match, Hercules versus Ken Patera. Ooh, old Ken Patera. Strong man. I'm guessing a lot of bear hugs in this match. A lot of, a lot of uh, uh, attempts at a full, full Nelson. Nelson breaks. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Okay, so then uh, the match that I remember as the main event was actually not the main event. Hacksaw Jim Duggan defeats Ted DiBiase by disqualification in the semi-main. Virgil jumps in. I, you know, probably. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure that was the finish. And then in the in the main event, the Powers of Pain defeat the Bolsheviks, uh, Borsukov and Nikolai Volkov. Five matches. Wow. What the hell? That's no, good. I mean, I like that. I, I dig it. For a small C-show? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, but we were just at that same building, and they did like eight matches. <laughs> I know, but this was WWF C-show days. <laughs> um, I've been stoked to see the Powers of Pain, man. You lucky devil. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, I, rem- I remember now, I just remember just being in awe, because those guys were so gigantic. Baron Von Raschke with them? That's the Baron? That's their I don't think so. I, no, I, I would have remembered that, I think. I don't think so. I wonder how their match was, because their SummerSlam match wasn't the best in 88. And they end up cutting it. I remember the Coliseum video. You know how they would always edit certain matches? Well, that one was edited down like two minutes compared to like whatever, whatever it was. It felt, it felt like, when I watched the pay-per-view version, it felt like 15 minutes. You know, they were just having, they're having a rough night. All right, last little bit of business here before we get out of here. I just wanted to mention um, going to that Mick Foley show. And it was a lot of fun because Mick is such a good storyteller he was. Yeah. I've seen him be. A, I've seen him be a lot better with an open mic than he was tonight. He, he, he kind of got tongue tied a couple times. But you know, when you get to see uh, Mick Foley talk about his career, it's 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 a really good time. I've seen him uh, do. I've seen him do this kind of act uh, at least once before in San Francisco, and he, he you know he's really good. He brought ODB out because the whole uh, show was to help ODB get her uh, food truck service back on because her food truck was burnt down recently. So he's do- he donated all the proceeds to that show to ODB. And she was there, and she kind of came out on the stage at the end. Like I said, AJ Kirsch was really good. Um, Mick actually... Uh, so it was funny because... Uh, somebody... Uh, Dave... Dave Mick fully asked a question to the crowd and Dave answered him and and Dave, and Mick was like, "Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah." And then because you know, uh, on these stages like the the light is so bright that these that the you can't really see the crowd that well. And then Mick realized that it was Dave Meltzer. He's like, "Oh, Dave Meltzer." And he's like, you know, 30 years ago, I wouldn't have been able to call out Dave Meltzer because, you know, then, you know, he would he someone would have tried to, like, take him out or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was funny. And then, and so, you know, I was with my, my, I brought my girlfriend, Crystal, and she has no idea what any of this stuff is about, right? Like, you've mentioned this about your wife, the one time she hang out, hung out with Dave, and she's like, why is, why are people trying to take his picture? Like, <laughs> you know, that whole thing. And so Crystal was like, why would anyone want to hurt him? Like, what's the deal? Like, and so I had to explain to her like the wrestling business from back in the day. But um, uh, there was another moment where Dave was telling us because, you know, we we uh, you go to the improv and you technically you're supposed to buy a couple of drinks. I think it's like a two drink minimum. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, we had a couple of drinks and, you know, Dave buys orange juice. And Crystal goes, oh, you don't you don't drink. She's like, you know, why? He's like, ah, I've never been a big drinker. 
And then he goes, you know, back in the day, you know, when I was kind of around a lot of the wrestlers, I also had a fear that if I had a drink that someone would try to put something in it. And that's all I needed was to, you know, to to have more than the enemies that I already had. So he, that's how he explained, you know, partially why he doesn't drink at all. Wow. Um, so, I mean, I mean, that makes sense to me. But I did see him take a shot of uh, Hennessy at Wale Mania. <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, Mick talked about Leslie Smith. I guess she was there. I didn't see her, but she was there because they, you know, they share a story of both having severed ears um in in you know different ways Mick talked about the getting his head stuck in the in the ropes at the WCW match with Big Van Vader and how that was a terrible mistake because and and partially the reason was because Vader was not feeling very well and Mick told him he would just bump the head you know bump for him to to make the match and so he tried to get his head stuck in the ropes and that's what caused the ear to to get severed but it was a it was the have a nice day tour he was just basically talking about stories from his uh from his book 20 years later very fun uh just a mix you know mix just mix like reminds me of like some of the goodness of pro wrestling that you know I really enjoy like when you mentioned Mick Foley you just kind of feel like, ah, you know, one of the good ones, you know. So I really I really enjoyed the show. Uh, I would advise anybody who has the opportunity to go see him live, especially if you haven't. Uh, you know, he's, he's just, he's really good. So that, 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 that is a good avenue. And someone asked him, so, okay, here was the real thing. <laughs> we, we talked about this last week. One of the possibilities was that Mick was going to drive up and go to the New Japan show. I don't think he made it, or or maybe he, you know, maybe he did. I don't, I don't think he did, because he, he didn't say that he did, but he mentioned the show. And then he was possibly going to come watch the AEW show with us at Big Dave's house. That was in the cards, but, you know, not, it wasn't necessarily a done deal. Uh, he ne- he didn't he didn't do it. You know, I don't know what the story was, but Dave sort of offered it to him. The story that, the thing that I wanted to ask him was, how come you don't do a podcast? Someone asked him about it in the sh- during the show as a part of the Q&A. And he said that he knows that there's money in it because Conrad showed him a check. <laughs> and so, obviously, Conrad was trying to get him, which is smart. Like, if I'm Conrad, I try to get Mick to do a show, too. But if he was to come over at Dave's, I was going to ask him, like, dude, why aren't you in a podcast? Like, let's do a podcast. Like, let's do it on Observer Radio. Like, whatever, you know. I, he couldn't do it with, with the Observer because he still has ties to WWE. But I was just like, let's, you know, we got to figure out how to do this thing. But he explained, he's like, look, I'm, I'm just not into podcasts. I'd kind of be doing it half-assed. I'm into speaking in front of a live crowd. That's where I get my buzz. So that uh, made sense to me. You know, so my, my dreams of doing a podcast with Mick Foley have died, but oh well, like you, you know, we'll, we'll figure out something else. That's cool, man. I'm glad you had a good time. And I wish I could, I mean, if it wasn't for the wedding, I would definitely would have joined you guys. And I, I would love to, I would love to have brought Katrina to that show. She would have had a good time. She, I mean, she remembers her wrestling fandom was, you know, during the Attitude Era when The Rock and got hot and you know, Austin, but mostly The Rock was probably the one that she. She always said, I used to have, I had a rock towel, she always said. <laughs> and she remembers, you know, Mankind, McFoley from that, from that era. So. Awesome. All right, so uh, we'll be back in our normal time slot on Thursday evening. Friday morning is usually when people probably listen to it. Uh, but we'll talk about, you know, more Wednesday Night War. We'll talk about everything else that's going on. 
Um, and uh, and yeah, so uh, had some time to do the bonus show. Hopefully, everyone enjoyed it. Uh, and like I said, if you want to send the hate mail, Laraka JL on Twitter. But for John, I am Double G. We'll see you when we see you. Peace out.